welcome to E-Commerce Innovators, a podcast that brings together the brightest minds in the industry to explore innovative strategies and trends in global e-commerce. Our host is John LeBaron, Chief Revenue Officer at Pattern, the premier partner for global e-commerce acceleration. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, today for joining the podcast. My name is John LeBaron. This is e-commerce innovators. I am the chief revenue officer at Pattern and the host of this podcast. Today, we are very excited to welcome Wu Kim to the show. She is the senior director of e-commerce and marketing at Aerosols. So, welcome to the show today, Wu. Thanks for much. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to do this and have this have this exciting conversation about innovation. Yeah, you bet. And you're joining us from sunny Brooklyn. And yes. uh, place we could be, but honestly, it's sunny here in Salt Lake City as well. We, I think we got 70 degree weekends coming up here. So quickly, oh, wow. it's exciting. I'm jealous. I think we're not quite there yet, but hopefully soon in the upcoming days, it's getting warmer. So that's good news. Good. Well, before we dive into some of the questions that I have prepared and learn a little bit more about you and your background and some of the innovation that you've seen and, and contributed to, let's learn a little bit more about you and Maybe you can take us through, I don't know, we don't, like I said before we started here, you know, my background is in a little bit of social work and therapy. So we won't go full reclining on the couch and (laughs) psychoanalyze anything here, but tell us a little bit more about your background, where you started, how you got your start in e-commerce and a little bit of the trajectory. You've been at some great places and I've learned a lot along the way, no doubt. Yes, definitely. Um, So I started out in the e-com space 11 years ago, and it's really interesting to kind of dissect my my trajectory so far. And truly, I, I feel very blessed to have had the background that I have because I was able to kind of be in the different sectors and basically, you know, kind of the full spectrum of what e-commerce is composed of. So when I initially started in e-com, I was on the merchant end. So we were working with a lot of different buyers and kind of seeing how, and this was a time when, I don't know if everyone remembers Hotlook, the event-based shopping. And that was like, right, it was timed. It was like curated collection. And we did a lot of work with Hotlook at the time. So that was kind of my my step into e-commerce. And then from there, I was at Amazon for about three years. So, I mean, just learning the scale, the, the corporation kind of operating levels, it was a really, really good learning opportunity. And I definitely kind of adopted a lot of those leadership principles. Uh, we had 14 at the time. And it's, it's still very much close to how I operate, my workflow, the approach to a lot of the things in terms of like problem solving. So that was a great experience. And then from there is when I really dived into the D2C aspect. So driving growth, right. And then also scaling that growth and kind of making sure that you're being a customer centric brand, which is critical to kind of the long-term goals that most brands have. So yeah, and today I lead e-commerce and marketing at Aerosols, uh, which is a women's footwear brand centered around comfort and style. And I think that's a really interesting space to be in right now, especially after COVID, where a lot of consumers have shifted in terms of how they purchase, what they purchase, 
and comfort, you know, I think after a couple of years of wearing sweatpants and more athleisure, you know, clothing, <laughs> you know, comfort is a really, really big factor in how consumers buy. So kind of marrying the comfort piece, but then also, right, we are going back to, you know, a norm, quote unquote, normal lifestyle, trying to, to make more events and have a social calendar again. So comfort and style is, is a very big piece of aerosols today. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I loved how you mentioned just this notion of almost like innovation on the customer front and that customer experience. And it, you know, when you say it, it sounds like obviously a no brainer, but the more I've talked <laughs> to different guests on the podcast and, and other areas and honestly experienced it on our own front. And I think the foundation of these leadership principles at Amazon, right? This customer obsession for us is more like partner obsession, right? Pattern. Actually, we partner with brands. And so our customers are not our end customers that we sell to, ironically. They're actually the brands that we work with. And that, right. that partner obsession that we call it is, is absolutely like at the forefront. But I guess just getting back to this customer obsession piece, like it sounds like a no-brainer, but there are so many... And we'll, I think we'll get into this later, right? Like there's so many data points or so many different strategies you could employ. And I think once you get to some level of almost like saturation, one of the big things starts to become like, oh, let's just like expand the catalog. Let's just like get into, if we're in shoes, let's go into socks or if we're in, you know, pumps, let's get into this. And it's like, mm -hmm. I think that's really, um, if you're not close to it, you can start to just run amok and, and almost stretch into categories. I remember talking to the CMO, of, I think of Tom Shoes, where he said, like, have you earned the right to like, as a brand, have you earned the right to like venture into that category that you didn't originate? And, you know, if you're, if you're known for your jeans, can you just start building, you know, sandals or manufacturing sandals and right, right. to kind of carry over? So I don't know if anything comes to mind, just listening to you talk about that. If there's anything that Again, maybe you guys have done really right when it comes to listening to that customer and, and focused on that customer or avoided any mistakes or maybe even done something wrong in your career where, again, you, you don't feel like you had that North Star as a customer and maybe allowed some other whatever board mandate or pressure to kind of obscure and venture down a path that probably wasn't as customer obsessed as you wanted it to be. Yeah, so it's... It's really interesting when you look at e-commerce and how far it's gotten and how big it's grown, right? Even as I say, when I started out in e-commerce 11 years ago, the landscape was entirely different, entirely different. So, and that has a large kind of relationship with technology as well. And when you look at the evolution of technology, right, smartphones, I mean, in the beginning, when smartphones came out, it was very much a, a nice to have. It wasn't certainly something that everyone had because of its high price points. But now when you look at, and you, I mean, you walk in the street, you go to a store, right? Almost for the most part, like nine out of 10 people have smartphones and that's just how people are evolving. So that's their lifestyle evolving. And I think as a marketer, and as an innovator, we have to kind of fit to that evolution as well. And that's part of being customer obsessed. And for us, one of our most impactful innovations that we've done as a company is add SMS marketing. And I know that's been around for quite some time now, but 
we actually implemented SMS marketing in June of 2021. And it's been incredibly successful for us. It's a strong channel, almost just as email. I mean, email is always a force to be reckoned with, but you know, SMS owns about 16% of our total revenue. That's significant. And that is telling us that our, I mean, along with our mobile traffic growing every year, that is telling us that our consumers and our users and our customers, they are driven to their phones and they like the access of their phones. So SMS marketing is one of our biggest innovations that we've done as a company. Yeah, I love that. And what was the discussion like? I I can only imagine like behind the scenes sort of, obviously you could have made that decision earlier on. Like you said, it's been around. What kept the company from really leaning on? Maybe it was that customer obsession of not wanting to like annoy people or be in front of them or, or maybe you hadn't earned that right, like I said, or like whatever it looks like, privacy issues. But what do you feel like flipped the switch and assuming there were naysayers at whatever level of the company, what has been the evolution of, of their narrative as it's proven to be incredibly successful? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always a challenge, right? When you're trying to kind of diversify your marketing stack, your tech stack, it's yeah. always a challenge when you're bringing in something new to the mix because you don't have historical data to fall against of saying, okay, well, you know, if we forecast this level of spend, like we'll get this level of return. It's hard because ultimately in essence, as we're calling it, it's an experiment, right? And experiments can go in two ways. It could be super successful or it could be just a flop, but we won't know until we try. So I think when it comes to bringing in new channels, new marketing, it's always going to be a challenge. But I think the key to to kind of mitigate the risks is to fall fast, right? So commit to that there is a potential that you might not be seeing returns, right? It might not actually work, or it might also take some time for it to work. But you have to commit to that and quickly recognize, okay, this isn't working and pivot. So I think as long as you have that mentality of, okay, I can expect failing, but as long as we fail fast and pivot, then we should be okay, right? Because I mean, I wish we had crystal balls, right? Like we could all predict what it's going to be like, but that's just not the reality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is just, you're obviously doing a million things every day to try to improve, you know, increase traffic to your site or improve organic ranking or, or improve your conversion rate. Um, or, you know, be more competitive on pricing or promotions or bundling or whatever it looks like. And sometimes it's hard to kind of manage all those hypothesis tests discreetly, right? Um, And sometimes you don't see the innovation until it's past, you know, like some time. And as you were doing your introduction, I was kind of doing the math in my head, like, oh, 11 years sounds like a long time. And then I'm like, (laughs) you know, like 2011. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I remember that's the year I graduated business school. And I remember a bunch of my friends were going to Amazon to work there in 2011. I was like, isn't Amazon like, <laughs> is, can it even keep growing that fast? Right, like, right. It was under $200 a share at that time. Right. It was yep. thousand now. So it's just so funny to like realize, oh my gosh, you know, you feel so close to it. It's like, can Amazon even get bigger? It feels like everyone uses Amazon now. How much bigger can it get? And suddenly it's like, no, it has a long way to go still. Mm-hmm. Um, 
anything come to mind, I guess, as we think through that and in your career, you know, some of the things that maybe you didn't think were that innovative, maybe it's just more like par for the course, but ended up, I love that example of mobile because I don't think any of us realize how big and how addictive and how honestly convenient and, and transformational mobile phones would be. I mean, obviously Apple did, but you know, maybe the rest of us didn't see how, see how big it would become. Um, anything else like that that's happened in your career where you kind of made a bet or a change that ended up kind of almost being more innovative than you thought it was at the time? Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a change per se, but I think it's something that um, it's, it's difficult because I think with e-commerce and with technology, a lot of things have really become more fast paced. And so when the consumer operates fast paced, we have to, as marketers, also be fast paced. And I think there are just some core you know, fundamentals that we forget to exercise and we forget to look at because we're trying to run so quickly. But data mining is something that is super critical to making sure that you're having a long game, right? So extracting the data, analyzing it, connecting the dots. And, you know, at, at a high level, right, it sounds wildly cliche and I recognize that, but I think it's super critical to really look at the wealth of data that is generated on a daily basis. And for example, when I kind of look at what we're doing right now, we're looking specifically into the associations between classes. So there's classes in terms of color class, there's style class, right, seasonal. So what we're trying to drill into is really look at the different classes. So for example, if, you know, does someone who purchased a black shoe, do they come back and buy another neutral tone shoe or do they divert to something more vibrant? Does someone who, you know, come and buy, like buy a platform sandal, are they likely to buy flats next or they buy platform sandals again? So understanding that, right, we essentially analyze that data, try to turn it into a model, apply it to our strategies, and then see how we can improve the actual results and the performance. And that's super important. And I think that allows us to be more intelligent marketers, right? We can provide more relevant messaging, more personalization, more, you know, segmentations that are actually relevant to the customer. And I think it's, it's very cyclical in terms of the innovation as we talk about it, because these core things, right? Analyzing data, right? It sounds so simple, but I think it's it's oftentimes missed because of how quickly we're trying to run. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I like the way that you're thinking about it in terms of just, again, this almost innate curiosity or hypothesis-minded approach to it, which is almost like this, you know, Socratic method of just like, well, it's like asking these questions of like, oh, this is, this is interesting. I wonder if, they buy this, will they buy this? Or I wonder if this type of color leads to this, or I wonder if this personalization actually improves this. Um, because I think to your point, if you just look at all the data, it's like it's swimming in it and, and you don't even know where to start and trends don't just surface themselves, but exactly. they do it's like probably too low hanging of fruit. 
Um, and so it's like all that constant pairing of information to try to determine whether or not you can kind of like prove it over time. I think, I think that's really interesting. Maybe um, coming out of the e-commerce for just a second, like mm-hmm. anything that comes to mind um, either at a current company or at a previous company around just innovation of the company and, and things that have really almost like innovation on the product or innovation on the go-to-market or innovation on the, on the customer front have led to uh, kind of breakthroughs on um, growth for the company as a whole or, or innovation in e-commerce. Yeah. And, and I know we, right. We, we keep talking about innovation and I just want to, right. Just kind of point out innovation. It comes in so many different shapes and sizes and right in at glance, at first glance, innovation kind of sounds like what's the coolest thing you've done. What's right. Like what's the most like shiniest thing you've done, but in reality, innovation, as you're saying, is very much associated with growth. And I think, right, like when I look back to kind of my prior experience, it's super important to establish processes and SLAs. And I think that kind of innovation, right, understanding that in order to really unlock growth, we need to be more streamlined, we need to be able to repeat success. Right. If we're just kind of being reactive and doing this at one moment and then doing this and constantly being in the mode of like, go, 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 it's not sustainable as a business, but also as you know, a human being, because neither can operate that way. Um, so something that has really unlocked growth for us is, or for myself is making sure that we're implementing processes and SLAs that's within the team that's across departments that's also, as you mentioned, even our partners, right? So our vendor partners, I think having that systematic kind of approach and making sure that you're staying within the processes is critical because what does that do? That creates bandwidth for us to actually have the time to dive deep, innovate, ideate, and optimize. And it's it's interesting because a lot of it is very hand in hand. It's never one thing, right? Because otherwise, I mean, we would all be amazing at e-commerce and I wish that was the case, but um, it's, it's very intertwined with each other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you and I kind of chatted about this earlier, but it's probably a decent time to bring it up again, which is, you know, there's been a lot of ground covered, you know, we're now in like the second millennium in a way of, of e-commerce and certainly, you know, digital transformation. So a lot of the low hanging fruit has already been, picked so to speak and you know there's there's not that many novel things that you could just start to do that hasn't already been kind of explored part of the okay. innovation and i like that you talked about this kind of process driven framework is really around efficiency gains and it's always shocking to kind of like look under the covers it might be in an ad campaign might be an seo might be around a listing but you start to see, wow, there is actually, before we do anything new, let's just like clean up our own house. And I like that you tie process to almost predictability, because if there's no process, there, there might be some one-off successes, but it's not going to be kind of predictable or repeatable again. So anything that comes to mind in that vein around 
you know, kind of what your day-to-day looks like around optimization and uncovering new frontiers of efficiency um, because those little minute gains, right, end up in big gains over time as they compound um, on that replication that we talked about. Exactly. So, right, we we look at everything pretty deeply. Um, and as we talk about, right, like what is the short game? What is the long game, right? Short game is, you know, spending too much, all of a sudden spending too much to just acquire a new customer or, you know, running a promo because you're like, I, I need to increase revenue for a short window, right? So that those are short game decisions. Long game decisions would be, right, looking into improving engagement. So saying, all right, let's improve our click-throughs, whether that be our ads, our emails, or our SMS, right? Improving engagement metrics or shortening the window between a first and second purchase. Um, those are the kind of results that you want to compound. And then you'll see that the, the results are better. And that's the long game that, you know, I think, has major, major advantages to, to kind of accruing this. I mean, I'm using air quotes, smaller wins. They're not small wins. They're still, they're still big wins, but I think, uh, most businesses that have this accelerated growth really focus on just traffic and sales, but these are still wins. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess you're kind of at that point in your career where you're, you know, again, managing teams, you're mentoring people, et cetera. Anything that kind of comes to mind when you think about, I don't know, advice that you're giving or other folks around either being successful in their career or growing brands on e-commerce? I would definitely say being customer obsessed and building a connection, Um, right? When you have a customer that means you were ultimately able to get them over that kind of consideration process and they purchased, right? So now you have them, you have their attention. So their thoughts, their comments, you know, listen to their feedback. And I think that's very, very critical. Um, And it's, it's one of those things, right? When you have your marketers hat on, you forget what a consumer might want. So balancing the two and incorporating the two, as I mentioned earlier on, I mean, everything is so cyclical and, you know, affected by each other. So I would definitely say customer obsessed, be drive a connection and listen to feedback. Yeah, all super solid points of advice. Maybe we can kind of keep going down that path for just a minute, because I think what listeners generally find a lot of value out of as well is just thinking through like, what is this kind of takeaway that I can put into my daily, whether I'm in sales or in marketing or in e-commerce or I'm an executive, what can I kind of glean from this, whatever 15, 20 minute investment I made? um, And what is my kind of takeaway? So maybe to that point, and maybe there's maybe a multiple, but you know, what is kind of the number one principle, leadership principle for you that as you reflect back on these awesome 11 years and the growth that you've had, like, what is that leadership principle for you that you think has led to your own personal success? Oh, it's really tough to pick just one. Um, if I had to pick one, I would say always learn, always want to learn and be curious. I think it's very important to kind of stay humble 
and always recognize that there's more to learn. There's fresher perspectives, um, right? You should always be asking yourself, how can I perform better? How can I push the boundaries? What's happening in the market? Um, can I go beyond the existing standards, right? And I think when you do, when you ask yourself these questions, that's how you unlock and start ideating and innovating. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's only so much any of us know and by continuing to kind of learn and reach out to other people and get curious is the way that those breakthroughs start to happen. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. Anything that we did not cover yet so far that um, would be helpful or as you think again, back on your career and what you're doing today and kind of the goal of this podcast that, that strikes you as like, oh, I think it, we'd, it'd be fun to cover this other area. Yeah, I think the other thing that I do want to just mention is, you know, as we talk about innovation and growth in the space of e-com, I think from the outside perspective, you know, it might seem formulaic and it might seem that it's, you know, the addition of a new channel or it's the, you know, budget because you have a larger budget you are able to unlock. I think it's really more than that. And I, I think having that bias for action is really important. Um, you know, obviously in an ideal world, everything would go accordingly planned, but always being ready and that willingness to roll up your sleeves and get in and work towards a solution that's truly how I define and see e-commerce. And I think that's how the industry has gotten this big. So I, yeah, that's my closing statement of just always having that bias for action. Yeah, I think it's so important because this is definitely not an industry that you can kind of like rest on your laurels, right? No. There's so much innovation, there's so much change. I mean, we think about, I mean, literally just, the latest privacy policies and the rollout of you know, new iOS and, and uh, you know, man, like the craziness that's happened even in the social media and the traffic drying up in certain areas, like it's, it's very much not a stagnant kind of environment. And I think exactly. anyone who is not willing to kind of fix things and figure out what's going on and drill down and test these hypotheses, hypotheses um, is probably going to find themselves woefully behind or at, at best and, and out of a job at worst. So I think that's yeah. very, very well said. Exactly. You have to, you have to learn how to just MacGyver things. That's the way it is. <laughs> I love it. Good. Well, Wu, it was been a pleasure to catch up with you and get to know you a little bit better. And I think there's so much that all of our listeners can learn from this and, and stay curious about. So I think you, the leadership principle you articulated probably resonates very well because if anyone's listening to this, they're obviously learning. They're obviously coming um, to, to be curious and to, to get something out of this. And I think anyone who has, has, has definitely gotten their, their money's worth, so to speak. So anyway, thanks a, t- a ton. And I hope to see you again in, in person as everything starts to open up again. Yes. Thank you so much. This was yeah. awesome. All right, you bet. Take care.